Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Uh, in keeping with the Christmas season, our gospel passage this morning pertains to the early days before Christ's birth. Um, many times during Christmas, if everything's not about Jesus, um, well, if everything's not about shopping, it's about Jesus. And if it's not about Jesus, it's about Mary. But this morning, our passage is about St. Joseph, uh, the lesser known member of the Holy Family. You know, we don't hear a whole lot about him, obviously, um, the birth of Christ, you hear stuff. And then when Jesus stayed behind at the temple, you hear stuff. But then that's it. We don't ever really, oh, the plight, the, the uh, flight to Egypt and all that sort of stuff. But once the, um, the moment occurs where Jesus is 12 in the temple, you don't ever hear about Joseph ever again after that. For whatever reason, um, I believe tradition is that he was already passed away by the time Christ got to adulthood, which is why, because he was, uh, tradition holds he was older than Mary. So this morning, that's who we get to look at uh, for a brief moment. And in the gospel, uh, St. Matthew this morning tells us that Joseph had concerns about his betrothal to Mary, um, being that she was with child, and he knew that it was not his own. So he had reason, obviously, to be concerned. Um, it stood to reason, or so he thought, that you know she obviously must have cheated on him and been with someone else or something like that. So as our text says, uh, Joseph, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, he was minded to put her away privately. So St. Joseph, he was a just man, meaning he was a Torah-observant righteous man. He was a, um, a faithful Jew, you know, went to synagogue, went to temple, did the things he had to do, and he was in mind to refuse to continue forward with Mary. Um, but as a compassionate man, uh, he didn't want to make her an example. So uh, the thought was that he would put her away quietly, because otherwise she could have been stoned for adultery and those sort of things, um, which I imagine is a very horrible way to, to die. Um, and so Joseph, being a, a just and compassionate man, was like, I, no, I can't do, let that happen. Father Lawrence Farley tells us that betrothal, betrothal in those days was a legal reality, making the couple actual husband and wife, and such a union could only be broken by actual divorce. So Joseph was considering, uh, basically he was considering a, a private divorce here, um, and it only required two witnesses uh, who, if necessary, could testify that this divorce truly did occur. So, again, he was a just man, he was a compassionate man, um, and he was trying to figure out, navigate the stream of life, to figure out how to go forward to continue being a just and a compassionate guy. Um, but obviously God had other plans, right? Plans that had been laid out from the beginning and prophesied by Isaiah long, long, long ago. So the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph as he slept, um, something that some of you know and some of you don't understand much about. But Joseph was sleeping, and the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and told him, Joseph, 
Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the angel here this morning, he brought to Joseph's mind a couple things. He brought that uh, to Joseph's mind that Joseph was indeed a son of David. So he was in the, king, the, the lineage of the great king of Israel. Um, he, was in, he was part of the line where the promised anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, would come from. And of course, uh, the angel reminded him of the prophet's words, of Isaiah's words, which Joseph, as a righteous Jew, a Torah-observant Jew, a synagogue going, a temple going, all that, he would have known these words. Um, because way back then, you know, unlike today where someone can say, what's, what's 1 John 7, 5, Jada? She'd be like, I have no idea. But back then, you say it, they're going to be like, oh yeah, I can, they, they had all the Torah memorized. They had all that stuff memorized. And so there was, there was uh, a degree of uh, biblical competency that, you know, went away with the, the, the uh, printing press. As, as good as the printing press was, once we had it printed, we had no more reason to memorize the entire script. Of course, my growing up knew a man who had the entire Bible memorized. Um, but back then, that was a common thing, to memorize at least the law, the five books of Moses. And if you could do that, then you move on to Psalms and the prophets and all those things. So Joseph would have knew this. Um, he would have knew that sometime, somewhere in his family line, this king was supposed to come, this anointed one. And the angel was just reminding him of these things. And then, uh, if we look to the words of St. John Chrysostom, um, the gentleman over here above the piano, if we look to him, an early church father, his words, he says, it was as if the angel was saying to Joseph, do not imagine that because he is conceived of the Holy Spirit that you have no part in the ministry of this new dispensation. In the conception you had no part, you never touched the virgin. Nevertheless, I'm giving you what pertains to a father. I give you the honor of giving a name to the one who is to be born. For you, Joseph, shall name him. For though the offspring is not your own, yet you are called to exhibit a father's care toward him. So on this occasion, at this moment of giving him a name, you stand in significant relationship with the one who is born. So you got this righteous, uh, compassionate Joseph. He has concerns about Mary and the situation going on and, and those things. So he goes to sleep, to sleep on it and wake up in the next morning and hopefully have an epiphany. And you know, he has one indeed while he's sleeping. This angel comes to him. This angel reminds him that he's of the Davidic line, reminds him of the words of uh, Isaiah and reminds him of the fact that, yeah, this isn't your child. But it is your child. You're going to raise him like your child. You're going to give him the name. There's no greater thing you can give to your son than give him your name. Or give him his name. And you, you will give him that name. Um, and so these, these truths paired with this angelic encounter. Because that alone also, uh, even if the angel wouldn't have said anything, an angel showing up should give you a pause in the first place. So between these truths and the angel showing up, that gave him a sense of peace about the situation. The necessary peace required uh, to put aside his fear. 
to put aside his concern about Mary and their, the status of their betrothal and how to move forward. So here we have Joseph uh, about to walk away again, which would have been totally acceptable. No one would have found guilt in him for having done this because on the outside it looks like she was an adulterous uh, spouse, adulterous wife, adulterous betrothed uh, woman. But undoubtedly as he contemplated what to do, he was frustrated because his future plans of having this this nice life with Mary and the white picket fence and, you know, the, con, I don't know, the convertible or the big truck with all that stuff. I have no idea. But, you know, it was seeming like all those plans might have been falling apart until he went to sleep. And then he woke up. Thankfully, God sent an angel to speak faith into Joseph and to remind him of his choices and his purpose, which his choice was Mary. He chose Mary. And the angel basically, you didn't make a bad choice. Just cling to this. You know, his, Joseph's purpose and his choices was to love Mary and to be with Mary through the adventure, uh, wherever it may go, um, and to rear the Son of God as if it was his own biological child. The angel had to not only shut down the negative thoughts that Joseph was wrestling with, but also encourage him by telling him that the Lord was in control and that the Lord was in this situation. So fear not. The Christmas season is a reminder of when hope incarnate was birthed. Obviously, that's Christmas Day. We remember that the Savior was born. And we, you know, at the lessons and carol service needs, we sing about the shepherds and the angels appearing and all this stuff. And you know, we normally just compact it to Christmas Day, because that's what the world wants us to think, but it's this entire season, these 12 days. And so we are in this, this season uh, where we are being reminded very intentionally and very uh, uh, bluntly, I guess, or in your face, whatever, that hope was birthed 2,000 years ago. This Christmas season is a reminder that to this day, hope is birthed by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that as we go about living one day to the next, just like with Joseph, hope is there to meet us. Hope the Lord is in the midst of our situation, just like in the, his, the middle of his situation. Um, you know, like Joseph, we may find ourselves in, in uh, things that we don't think are ideal situations. Um, be that, you know, there can be relationships, there can be financial, there can be professional there can be health issues. The list can go on and on and on that we find ourselves in um, that are less than ideal. Just like Joseph found himself in a situation that initially was less than ideal. His, his bride-to-be was found to be with child. But the Lord, even in these situations that don't seem ideal, he's in the midst. He's in the situation. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking peace over us, just like it spoke to Joseph through the angel, if the Holy Spirit is speaking this peace to us, we just got to hang on and embrace, embrace the situation that lies before us. Because as strange and weird and as adventurous as it is, we have to know that the Lord is in the midst. And he will see us through. It might not make sense, but it's worth our perseverance and our dedication to the end. I mean, just look at our journey as a church, right? We... Uh, 
we had this idyllic picture when we stepped into Oak Grove. It was like, oh, fantastic. The future is bright. It's going to be awesome. And then it was like, oh, wait. We're homeless and wandering. What's going on here, Lord? You know, but the whole time the Lord is like, you know, fear not. St. Thomas Anglican Mission, fear not. For what's happening is of the Lord. And it's obvious now, hindsight's 2020. We look back and we know that that weird, un, un, uh, uncertain, and less than ideal situation we went through from Oak Grove to the house, to the pavilions, to Matthew's Chapel, to whatever, to finally getting here, we understand that the Lord was in our midst and he brought us here and he made the way. But if we would have gave up, we wouldn't be here. And if Joseph would have gave up, who knows what would have happened there. You know, Mary, the situation, you don't really know. It's a what if game. Um, but it's a reminder that we should just follow after the Lord. Um, you know, and then take, for instance, me and Myra and our situation that we went through in 2000, our family went through in 2013. You know, things didn't seem to make sense, um, but the Lord was in the midst and he worked things out. And despite it being wobbly and uncertain and less than ideal, he carried us through it. And so in two weeks when the bishop's here, we get to celebrate 20 an our 20th anniversary with he gives his uh, Episcopal blessing, something that if in the moment would have just been like, nah, and walked away, we would never learned a valuable lesson that even in the darkest times, even in the most uncertain times, even in the most crazy of times, the Lord is actually there and working in our midst. Um, whether we hear his voice waking or sleeping. And so the angel, this angel, uh, going back to our passage, this angel that appeared to Joseph, he reminded Joseph of who he was. He was a son of David. And then he reminded him of God's promise to the people of Israel, that the anointed one, that the Messiah, that the Christ will come. In the course of this dream, Joseph's faith, his confidence, his determination was recharged and reaffirmed. The course of our journey as a church, you know, we at least speaking for me, lost confidence and lost the determination at times. And then as things began to move and we were like, no, the Lord's definitely in this. You know, we began to come back to life, um, especially when we were said, go in, take your chainsaw and chop the stage to pieces. Then it was like, oh, an infusion of life, blood transfusion and life was restored and all that stuff. But this angel reminded him, you're a son of David. You know, just like through our journey, we had to realize that, no, the Lord's brought too many things together for us to give up on this. Uh, there's too many people who have invested. There's too many things that have given. There's too many hearts that have been knit together as far as our group to give up on this thing. And because we hung through, we've been recharged and recharged and, and reaffirmed in our decision to hang together. You know, and obviously the same thing through modernized crisis and any crisis that any of us go through emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, professionally, whatever the case may be, just got to ride the storm out. Because in the stillness, just like with Joseph, um, in his case it was in sleep, 
we provide God that opportunity, that chance to speak to us and to tell us, I'm there with you. And just be at peace. Fear not. You know, and, and when he speaks those to us, how can it not wash over us and renew us and strengthen us? So that when we find ourselves in the chaos and in the hubbub of the world, or in Joseph's case, when we, he woke up, we wake up realizing that it's going to be okay. This is the way things are meant to be. So if we look, and so at the text, the Joseph, again, the angel reminded Joseph of these things, and he built him up there, reminding him that he's a son of David. He's a son of promise. And so let us heed those words ourselves in the midst of our own uh, circumstances, situations, whatever, no matter how uncertain they might be, uh, by remembering that we, though we aren't sons of David, um, we, well, I guess in a sense we are, because we've been adopted, uh, we have adoption through Christ, right? And if Christ is a son of David, then ultimately I guess we're sons and daughters of David as well, uh, by adoption, of course. So we must remember that, that, you know, Janet, uh, daughter of God, fear not. Myra, daughter of God, fear not. Solomon, Jude, sons of God, fear not. Jada, daughter of God, fear not. You know, and that's what our, our epistle passage this morning speaks to. St. Paul wrote, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, birthed him into your heart. So this Christmas season, may we celebrate not only the birth of Christ, thereby making a way for our salvation, but may we also celebrate the fact that by his death, by his resurrection, by our repentance, we've been adopted. We've been made sons and daughters of God. We've been made part of God's story. So like Joseph, we can also know that the Lord is with us through our journey, individually and corporately. And while he's with us, he's constantly whispering into our spirit and speaking to us, saying, fear not. Fear not. Because the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. So fear not. Now unto God the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Ghost, be all honor and glory, both now and forever. Amen.